0: Hi, everyone. It's Zoe Booth. Welcome back to episode two of my series of conversations with Quillette founder, Claire Lehman. Today, we're going to be talking about her recent essay in The Australian. It's all about trans activism, Shannon Fentiman, the Minister for Women, and Anthony Albanese. Your column this week in The Australian is all about Shannon Fentiman. Now, who's Shannon Fentiman?
1: Okay, so she's the uh, Queensland Minister for Women. She's now been appointed to the health portfolio. And uh, the reason I wrote about her was because um, she had a, a freak out about a sticker being applied to her office window. And the sticker said, woman, noun, adult, human, female. And um To me, this is, you know, that's the dictionary definition of the word woman. It's a pretty basic statement of fact, but it caused this MP to have uh, a reaction and she wrote a very lengthy Instagram post saying that such views are... uh, She doesn't have such views. Queenslanders don't have such views and that they are discriminatory and they deny people's existence. Mm. So I wrote my column about this and... Uh, I pointed out that you can't change the meaning of words that have been used for centuries uh, because of, for political reasons, for emotional reasons. And so I cited Orwell in my essay, and I also cited Ludwig Wittgenstein, who wrote in uh, Philosophical Investigations that the meaning of words is communally defined we 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 come to it we understand meaning through a through the sharing mm-hmm. of understanding and so I cannot change the meaning of a word just because I want to I cannot change the meaning of the word of uh, of the word glass glass means glass uh and so it's an interesting it's it's it, it gets back to the philosophy philosophy of language you know what do we mean when we say the word woman well I would argue that we mean a biological female mm-hmm. and I found that Fentiman in her role as Minister for Women had released a women's strategy for Queensland in and in that strat- strategy she uses the words woman and female interchangeably so she refers to women's health issues like endometriosis. Now, if a woman is not a female, a biological female, then why is endometriosis a women's health issue? So this gets back to the philosophy of language. What do we mean by the word woman? Does it mean female? If it doesn't mean female, what does it mean? What do you think, Zoe?
0: Well yes i I agree that you know woman is adult human female, and how else are we going to define it? I mean, the people who want to change the meaning think that they get it confused with gender roles, which I get gender roles can change over time, and they have mm-hmm. uh but we're talking about really important issues, yeah health issues, endometriosis um you know cancer you you talked about like you know, prostate examinations and prostate cancer as well. So it affects men as well. Like, um, we need to be able to talk about these things really clearly um, or else people's lives are at stake, people's health.
1: Yeah, and and one thing that feminists did back in the 70s and the 80s, in the 20th century, is they separated out the concepts of sex and gender. And that's useful in many contexts because... Uh, someone whose biological sex is female may not be uh, feminine and might not might reject many of the what you would call gender role, you know, gender roles that are normally ascribed to females, and that's fine. And I think it was useful um, to separate out the concepts of sex and gender. But what's happened is that we've now in 2023, we've conflated, we've collapsed sex into gender and have basically come to a point where biological sex doesn't mean anything anymore. Mm-hmm. In all, and, and, and gender, the concept of gender, which is the social role or the social construction has usurped biological sex altogether. And like you said, that is dangerous. We still haven't worked out many women's health issues. There's still a lack of research into, uh, how men and women are different biologically and how we respond to different illnesses, you know, how we have, uh, different responses to illnesses. And so to pretend that biological sex is, doesn't exist is catastrophic. Mm-hmm. I mean, we should be focusing more on bio- biological sex, not less. Mm-hmm. Now, I you know, this might seem uncaring and, and, and not compassionate towards people who have transitioned genders, but I, I sort of think it's irrelevant. Someone can transition and be a trans woman or a trans man and be awarded respect and dignity and equal treatment and compassion without the rest of society denying that biology is a real thing. Yep. That there's two separate things, being entitled to humane compassionate treatment Hmm. does is not a prerequisite or does not uh determine that we need to deny
0: biology altogether exactly and people like you and i have always been very accepting and like quite progressive i would say in in the way we treated people and i've always you know been okay with trans women using some of our spaces and stuff that's been fine Um, and I would treat those, those people as women because obviously they wanted to be treated as women and I would respect that. That was like a decade ago. Mm -hmm. Um, time, it's changed so that so many more people are identifying as trans. Um, and that's the issue. As you were saying, the, the changing of the definition back in the day, trans people were fairly, um, respectful of the, the binary and the, The respecting the word yeah you know yeah yeah. and they would go to the doctors and say you know I I identify as woman but I'm a man and you know there wasn't this conflating of the two
1: yeah it's it's a collapsing of these concepts into each other and then and and in effect erasing the biological distinction altogether which is I mean you know people talk about the denial of biology but it's it's a, it's, a, it's even more fundamental. It's a denial of basic truth. Yeah, truth. And yeah. can we, can we talk about things that are true? Can we use concepts that are true? And and, and if we have, if a, a minority of political activists can change or d- demand that the meaning of commonly used words be changed, or that the concepts that we use to understand truth uh, be Altered, I think it
0: I think it's a it's a worrying path for sure, and what I don't like is that Shannon's been really aggressive with this, um, like she's been blocking you know dissenters on on Twitter. She blocked Sal Grover. I think she blocked Sal Grover's email a long time ago, actually. Um, and she's just so. I don't know, yeah, aggressive in in it. Whereas Anthony Albanese, for example, when he was questioned on what is a woman Mm. by Piers Morgan, he was just, you know, to the point, I think this is what a woman is because that's what it is. Yeah. Adult human female. And he's not trying to, like, Shannon is trying to make people who disagree with her, mostly women, feel guilty about it. Mm. Mm. Make them seem like bad people when they're not.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's a politician, right? And she, uh, I, I don't know how much thought she's given to this topic, but politicians are in the business of um, appeasing constituencies. And uh, if you're a progressive politician, you've got a lot of activists hanging around you demanding special treatment. And so, you know, we can't. I mean, politicians are always going to be doing what they think is in their self-interest. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily seeking the truth or expressing uncomfortable truth, mm-hmm. and they've always been that way. And that's <laughs> yeah. that's what Orwell was talking about in his essay "Politics in the English Language," because uh, politicians are in the business of um, yeah uh, trying to cover up. Uh, the truth. Often, their their language is full of euphemism. It's full of vagueness. It's, uh, you know, and and he, his famous the famous quote from that, um, his essay is they give the language of politics gives um makes murder sound respectable and gives solidity to pure wind. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's kind of expected that people in her position, um, you know, come up with. these ridiculous slogans, but the rest of us don't have to accept it.
0: Yeah, it is my point. And I'm surprised that she thinks it's a good decision to, you know, take this route because she's in Queensland, it's not Victoria. And for people who are not in Australia, uh, Victoria is probably one of the most progressive states Mm -hmm. um, that tends to vote more green or Labour. Queensland, where she's from... You know, she is a Labour Party member. She's not a Greens member, mm. um, so I am surprised she's taking such a sort of far left approach to the whole thing, because she's no doubt isolating many constituents. Uh, and as we were talking about before, she should look at the UK, like, yeah, didn't do well, exactly. Um, or Nicola, for Bo- Nicola Bo- Sturgeon. Mm-hmm. People don't. The average Australian, especially in Queensland, we love Queensland, but you know it's not Melbourne. Uh, the average person doesn't think that a woman is a man who decides he's a woman. Like,
1: yeah. So it's it's really interesting how politicians can make uh, poor decisions or poor political decisions in this area. I think in the United States, abortion is a really good example of how um, politicians on the right get it wrong. So uh, most people are not particularly interested in politics. And for good reason. They have families, they have to look after children, they go to work, they have jobs, they have better things to do than to worry about what politicians are saying or doing. But when a politician comes along and says, hang on uh, a minute, do." you women do not have, you can't have control over your bodies and, I'm, and we're going to pass laws which mean that it's illegal for you to uh, terminate a pregnancy after four weeks. A lot of apolitical women suddenly think, and men, think, hang on a minute, mm. this is my body. You can't tell me what to do with my body. And so it politicises people who are not already politicised, which is the vast majority of people. And so you can see in the United States that, uh, you know, these sort of extreme anti-abortion stances are quite unpopular in certain regions because a lot of women, young women, who they would affect, who don't care about any other issue, suddenly start to care. Now, when it comes to changing the definition of what a woman is, I think if, if politicians want to push on this, they're going to find a backlash from people who were, up until yesterday, apolitical. Mm-hmm. So, you got, so there's always political junkies who have already made up their mind on these issues. So, either you're, you know, far left or far right or in the middle, and you've already made up your mind. Those people are kind of irrelevant. It's the people in the middle who don't care about politics, it's their opinions that matter. And when you, and when they start hearing this nonsense about, you know, any, anyone who identifies as, as a woman is a woman that's when that's when the backlash comes because people say hang on a minute that's not true mm-hmm. i was born female i was a girl and now i'm a woman and that's just that's just what the word right. means yeah. and i have no you know there's no animosity towards trans women trans women should are deserving of respect and care and fair treatment but that trans women are not the same the 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 category of trans woman is not the same as woman exactly
0: yeah, and they've isol- isolated many people like myself who was very much like on the left, center left. Yeah. Um. But the left started to change, and that was my issue with the left.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people are pretty tolerant, but it's it's the tolerance has to go both ways. It's a two to- tolerance is a two way street. So, I I can be tolerant of your views if you're tolerant of mine. Mm. But when you start to coerce me Mm. and tell me that how I use language and how I've always used language denies people's existence, Mm. then I will push back on that. Mm -hmm. And it's the, I think the backlash is not against people having rights. It's not against people having fair treatment. It's against what is perceived as coercion.
0: Yes. And... Would you say that's part of the reason you started Quillette? Did you feel coerced by some of this um, behavior?
1: Well, you could say that I was one of those apolitical people who uh, became
0: politicized. I can't imagine you ever being apolitical.
1: Uh, well, in some ways, I'm still apolitical. I try to be fairly neutral on a lot of subjects. So, on a lot of issues, I'm nonpartisan. Mm-hmm. Have opinions, sure, but um, and but I was not politicized by trans issues. I was actually um, politicized by a lot of very weak argumentation that came from third wave feminists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was politicized by that, and and what I saw as anti-scientific and anti-intellectual arguments. Yeah. But, I mean, those
0: have sort of now extended mm-hmm. into trans activism. So. And that sort of bubbled up when you had your first child, right? Am I right in thinking that? Or maybe a bit before, yeah. but
1: certainly around, definitely in my yeah. 20s when gender and how you uh, reconcile all of the different pressures when you're a woman, or when how you reconcile all of the the different things going on in your life is very top of mind Mm -hmm. so when you're in your 20s as a woman you have to figure out how much energy you're going to spend on your career how much energy you're going to spend on finding a mate and having children and so I had to make all of those calculations and think about that and figure it out on my own because there's not a great deal of literature that tells you exactly what to do, it's a and it's a personal sort of journey that you have to go on. So I thought very deeply about those issues, and in thinking deeply about those issues, I decided that a lot of contemporary feminism was stupid. Yep, <laughs> uh, that doesn't. I I have a lot of respect for um early feminists, and I and I'm actually more appreciative of mainstream feminism now that I'm older and that I do I have seen more of the barriers that women face in certain contexts but at least when it came to figuring out career versus family in my 20s I thought that there was not a lot of guidance for young women that was scientifically informed and
0: um, rational Mm -hmm. basically. So what do you think is the biggest issue facing young women or women in Australia today like what could be improved
1: well um, I think there could be a little bit more honesty about the trade-offs that women have to grapple with in their lives and I think one of the mistakes that feminists have made is pretending that the, the trade-offs that women have or minimizing the trade-offs or pretending that our life track is the same as a man's Clearly it's not, if we want to have children, that is. And uh, you just uh, each individual woman has to make decisions earlier rather than later because if you sort of travel along without making those making decisions, you can end up in a place where you don't have many options left. Yes. Um, and that's simply because we have a much shorter condensed window Uh, for procreation, Mm -hmm. our fertility, uh, declines much more rapidly than men's. And so we have to, we have to make some hard headed choices early on. The thing is, we're finding out more and more that men have a biological clock too. And so, uh, you know, all people, all young adults really have to think about these issues, not just women. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not entirely the responsibility of women. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think as a society, we haven't been fully honest about these uh, decisions and we overemphasize the importance of career. Yeah. Now, it sounds a bit strange of me to say that because I have a career and I'm very happy in my career and I devote a lot of my time and intention to it. But I my career started after I'd had my first child and I made a deliberate choice to uh get married and have kids first and um I'm very happy with that decision how it's worked out
0: um yeah I guess that leads into the question of like how we can even have these conversations about planning a family and a career when at least in some of the circles like that I grew up in with educated people and women who get You know, it's very common for women to go to university, things like that. Um, even just assuming that a woman would want to have children is sort of offensive. Like, uh, I've seen women get offended by that. Why would you assume that I want children? I think. Whereas it's as I've gotten older, I've realized it's pretty obvious that you can assume that most women want children. Um, it's safe to assume that. Yeah. It's like a biological need. For most it's yeah. very rare that a woman wouldn't want children.
1: Yeah, I and I think we have. It's totally um, fine to respect the choice not to have children. I mean, I get it. Children raising children is really hard. It's not for everybody. Not everyone should be a parent. But uh, if we're talking about uh, women, I mean, surely we're talking about the average, yeah. the average woman. I think one of the the mistakes of mainstream feminism has been overemphasizing the um the views and the um life strategies of women who are outliers Mm. at the expense of women who are in the middle who are the average so if you think statistically of course there's going to be outliers women who are just exceptional in certain areas and of course um, we want to have a society where the culture can um, benefit from all of the contributions exceptional women can make of course but let's not forget that for many for the average woman having a family and having a balanced life where he she can have a healthy life and devote time to children that's the average mm-hmm. that you know that's what most average women want I mean if I'm in I might get in trouble for saying that but I'm not denying that outliers exist and I would consider myself to be an outlier. Uh, I'm certainly, I don't, certainly don't share in a lot of interests that the average woman has, but at least I can recognise that there's a difference between the average and the
0: tail. Yeah. Well, it's like we can't talk in averages anymore. Um, like even when we talk about women or, um, you know, childbirth, uh People will say, well, not all women can have children. So if you're a, if you're a, you were born a woman, but you can't have a child because you've got, I don't know, yeah, you, uh, you don't have ovaries or something for some reason, uh, you're not a woman. It's like, we can't, yeah, well, yeah, anomaly. statistics
1: really should be taught mm. in high school, in, in probably instead of calculus, basic statistics. And, you know, I think it's an absolute, disgrace that people can graduate from university with PhDs and never having studied statistics I mean it's the most how we understand the world uh is through statistics we cannot understand any social phenomenon without having a basic grasp of what uh I mean is standard deviation uh the bell curve I mean it's just basic and so I think I think a lot of that this stems from the innumeracy of the public because these concepts are not taught either in high school or in university and it's uh it disfigures the discourse yeah yeah i didn't
0: study statistics maybe is there like a uh entry level book or something that you know about i don't know Uh, i'll i'll bring some of my textbooks in from university i actually wanted to study psychology but knowing that I had to do STAT 101 turned me off it. It's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult.
1: I, 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 it was a challenge for me, but I'm glad I got through it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's mm. difficult. Okay. But you would think that it would be taught in gender studies, yeah. that it would be taught in women's... Like, if, you lo- if you're if you looking at the behaviour of groups, mm. surely you want to understand how to measure behaviour in groups, mm.
0: but no. Mm. <laughs> Well, I don't think that evolutionary psychology is taught in gender studies or Yeah. Well, that's, definitely. Yeah. Not. Definitely not.
1: Yeah. There's no uh, there's no biology. Yeah. There's,
0: it's... it's just all social science.
1: I think a lot of what is taught is actually really interesting. I was reading a PhD thesis um by a scholar in critical sexuality studies the other day. Mm-hmm. it was actually really interesting and I got a lot out of it but and and there's a lot of interesting ideas and concepts and it's really fascinating how they can look at how language or cultural um, sort of narratives shape the way we think about our behavior and that kind of thing. So I think there's so much richness there. However, it would be, strengthened if there were a more empirical scientific approach yes as well exactly and if there was an integration with biology mm-hmm. and evolution and neuropsychology I mean it the, it's it's one of the great um scandals that humanities, education and scientific the sciences are not integrated and it's just to everyone's detriment that we can't We can't have a holistic uh, educational experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed my Bachelor of Arts degree. I majored in politics and I remember writing essays on Marxist feminism and reading, um, you know, Foucault and lots of other critical theorists. I really enjoyed it. Um, But I remember thinking at the time that this was empirical. Mm. You know, I didn't realise that I was probably like 21, I didn't realize that this was just a theory that was quite an obscure theory. Yeah, I thought it was the theory.
1: Yes, I see what you mean. So the so the difference between Foucault, Foucault's theories and the theories that you'll read about in psychology is falsifiability, basically. So that's Popper's idea, where you know a, a, a hypothesis has to be able to be disproven f- for it to become scientific. Now, Foucault's an interesting thinker, but a lot of his concepts and theories cannot be proven wrong, mm-hmm. therefore they're not scientific. If something cannot be proven wrong, it's just, you know, it, it It might be interesting, but we don't really have any way of testing whether it's valid and a true reflection of reality. Mm-hmm. Um And that. That's the difference between just the theories of the humanities and the sciences. The sciences take the idea of truth very seriously and to arrive at truth, we have to be able to test and discard hypotheses that are not, you know, do not reach the the threshold of truth. Um, And the humanities have just never really taken that seriously or they problematize the idea of truth altogether so Mm -hmm. we cannot arrive at the truth because there's no such thing as truth and this is what this is how we get to this situation where we can't define what a woman is because there's no true definition of a woman Mm -hmm. it's all just uh you
0: know it's all just however you feel all the way down Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when I was researching Shannon Fentiman I saw that about seven years ago like she's been into the gender topic for a while right as we all have been (laughs) uh but she was talking about the gender pay gap and how it's such a big issue that women earn less than men which i found a bit ironic because you know now she's saying that men can be women so how does that affect the gender pay gap it will probably even out um (laughs) over time if enough men identify Mm -hmm. uh but yeah We're still talking about the gender pay gap. I I saw it in the news recently. Um, There's a big push to to improve it in Australia. Um, What are your thoughts on the gender pay gap? Is it a real, is it a big issue in Australia, would you say?
1: Okay. So the gender pay gap is not a pay gap between men and women. It's a pay gap between mothers Mm -hmm. and everybody else. Oh, okay. Mm. So if you look at the data, you'll find that women in their 20s actually out-earn men in their 20s. Uh, This changes as soon as women have children for obvious reasons. Anyone who's had a baby or a child knows how labour-intensive caring for young children is and so the gap, women take time off of work to look after their babies and young children and so men start to progress further in their careers and they start to earn more and so you get this income gap widening. Women who have children never catch up Mm -hmm. on average. So you'll have individual women who, of course, will catch up with their earnings. um, But because a lot of women will never, well, will take a while to go back to full-time work or will never go back to full-time work, in the aggregate, women with children will never catch up to the earnings of men or women without children. Yeah. So, uh, academics call this the childhood penalty, (laughs) which makes it sound bad. But if you ask mothers whether they'd give up their children for an extra $10,000 a year or whatever it is, I'm pretty sure most of them would say no. Yeah. (laughs) Having children is a wonderful thing. Uh, I certainly wouldn't trade my, my beautiful children for, uh, an increase in my earnings. Um. So that's what the pay gap is. Now, Mm -hmm. can that be, uh, can government intervention reduce that gap? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe there can be more assistance for mothers in getting back to work, but we can't, we shouldn't assume that all mothers just want to get back to work as soon as possible and that it's even the, uh, the best outcome for society to have mothers getting back to work as soon as possible because, you know, they're doing important work. Looking yeah. after their children. Yeah. So
0: I think that the average person doesn't know about that, that because I've had arguments with some of my girlfriends who genuinely think that uh women are just being paid less. It's just as simple as that there's some big conspiracy that um, you know, women get paid less, even though if you look at the job contracts, mm-hmm. you know, and their awards it's Illegal to pay someone less just because they're a woman. Mm-hmm. So people don't understand the the full context. Yeah. Do you think they they don't want to understand? Well, it's 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 a misleading statistic, yeah. the gender pay gap.
1: It's misleading to call it a gender pay gap because it there is no gender pay gap. It's a pay gap between mothers mm-hmm. and everybody else. Mm-hmm. That's the more accurate description of it. Uh, I think. I think it's the responsibility of journalists to report these statistics more accurately. Uh, But as we all know, uh, activists, you know, they have an agenda and they will present statistics in a misleading way in order to um, lobby for certain outcomes or interventions. And, you know, this idea that women are oppressed by an invisible patriarchal force is... Quite
0: popular. Definitely.
1: Uh, but the thing is, you know, there are, there definitely are challenges for women. And uh, I've, as in my career, have noticed that it is, it can be hard for women in certain contexts. And it's not, I don't blame it on the patriarchy, but it's, I have definitely noticed that it can be hard for women. Uh, in certain areas and like one for example one uh, context is in business Mm -hmm. because in business disagreeableness is rewarded Mm -hmm. and women on average tend to be more agreeable than men and in business to get ahead and to do well you actually have to be quite disagreeable and at times, cutthroat, you have to be able to fire people. You have to be able to see if people are trying to rip you off and tell them to get fired. Yeah. <laughs> so you need to have an ability to stand up for yourself and be combative. <laughs> and I have found it difficult and I'm disagreeable. Yep. And so I totally understand why many women would struggle in business being entrepreneurs or running their own business because people will try and rip you off and they will see you as a young woman and uh think that you're an easy target
0: and it's hard. And in a way you are an easier target, as i just said, because women do tend to be higher in agreeableness. Yeah. I definitely find it difficult to be I'm I think I'm quite assertive as a to be a woman, but um it's a challenge. Comes yeah, more naturally to more men. Not every man. Yeah, but yeah. Averages.
1: So yeah. I, I don't think of it of this as the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. I think of, uh, I think there's a correlation between disagreeableness and success, and that if you are a disagreeable person, you have disagreeableness mm-hmm. privilege. Yeah, <laughs> and that agreeableness is a great is great, fantastic trait. Mm-hmm. But it's better suited to the kindy teacher, yeah. Than, um, you know, cur- the the career, you know, mm-hmm.
0: professional careers, and that's another reality, right? Makes me think about the James Demore memo that women choose different careers. Yeah, it's not some invisible hand that is making women choose to be, you know, kindy teachers or, yeah. Uh, go into more caring roles is yeah. women are better suited to it
1: just... we need people to be caring and we need people to be pediatricians yeah. and psychologists mm-hmm. and counselors and daycare workers i mean it's incredibly important work i would say it's more
0: more important than some computer coding mm-hmm. right so that the the argument to that which is bringing me back to my marxist feminist essay is that if that work is more impo- is important then why isn't it better re- remunerated
1: yeah well i think that's an important question and i suppose some left wing um writers and theorists would argue that it we don't remunerate it properly because we live under late stage capitalism or neoliberalism and there might be some truth to that to be honest i mean i i i think that people in caring jobs should be paid more mm-hmm. Uh, It's the society couldn't run without them and I would I'd be totally uh, supportive of of pay increases for people in aged care in Mm -hmm. child care in all of the caring professions and I think as a society we need to uh, uh, consider these roles as the backbone of our society and and people should have respect and there should be more prestige attached Mm -hmm. like I think there should be recognition that being empathetic and caring and devoting your life to caring for other people is is an incredibly yeah. important thing to do. And without it, we can't have all of these nice other things because if there aren't people looking after the children and the old people, none of us
0: can go to work yeah. and do anything else. And ironically, it's third-wave feminists or modern feminism that has devalued women's work.
1: Yeah, and they, they did that because they wanted to, f- women to have freedom mm-hmm. to choose and... Good so intelligence. intentions. Yeah, I mean, it's good to have freedom. It's good to be able to find a job that suits your personality and I couldn't be a kindy teacher. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I had to be, I could be, but I wouldn't be. It's not the most suitable job for my personality uh, and so I really appreciate having the freedom to choose and to choose uh, a career that does suit my personality, but so I, I get it. But like you said, there's, you know, the average is not the outlier, and there's a lot of variation amongst women. And one of the the mistakes feminism has made has been to underemphasize the variation, perhaps at the detriment of the average. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, we've been chatting for about 30 minutes. Okay. And we wrap it up. Sure, so Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: See you next week. Great. See you then.